What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. If this is your first time here at Modern Day Debate, want to let you know I'm your host, James Coons, and we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. Providing a platform, our vision, our goal is to provide an equal playing field for everybody to make their case on. And so, want to let you know as well, no matter what walk of life you are from, Christian, atheist, agnostic, Jedi, and even Sith, we hope you feel welcome, we're glad you're here, and with that, we're going to get into a couple of quick channel housekeeping things. First, if this is your first time here, or maybe your 50th time here, Consider hitting that subscribe button as we have many epic debates coming up. So, for example, Pastor Doug Wilson from the famous documentary with Christopher Hitchens, Collision, will be on debating Dr. Ben Burgess. That is on whether or not atheism is immoral, and that's coming up later this month. And so, click that subscribe button and that little bell for reminders of debates like that. Also, want to let you know, if you haven't heard we are on podcast, folks, and so want to encourage you, pull out your phone right now, check, check and see if we're on your favorite podcast app, as we're working to get on every single podcast app, so it's convenient for you to listen to Modern Day Debate on the go. And want to let you know, our guests, we are thrilled for this debate, it's going to be a great one. Want to remind you of a couple things. One, we have limited time, so we're probably only going to get to about seven questions. We want serious questions only, please, as that really does add value in terms of substantive questions. That adds value to the show itself. And then also want to let you know, always, folks, want to encourage you, attack the arguments, not the people. 
and also want to let you know both of our guests are linked in the description. So I'm going to give them a chance as I introduce them. We're thrilled to have you back, Kent Hoven. It's been quite a while, and so we're excited to have you. And if you'd be willing to share what people can expect to find at your link in the description, thanks again for being here, Kent. Well, thanks for having me. I'm sorry for the confusion in the schedule last time. I, I didn't, it wasn't on my calendar. It's my fault. I didn't tell the secretary. But glad to be here. I'm Ken Hovind. I've been a Baptist preacher 46 years. I taught high school science and math 15 years. I believe the Bible is true, and the evolution theory is the dumbest and most dangerous religion in the history of the world. Never been a dumber idea than teach everybody we all came from a rock and you're related to a mosquito. Anyway, so our website, drdino.com, has all kinds of stuff to document that the Bible is true. Evolution is crazy. We talk about the original creation. What was it like? Why did they live so long? Where dinosaurs fit in? You can come visit our dinosaur adventure land in Lenox, Alabama, if you can find it. Straight north of Pensacola, 70 miles. And we'd love to have you come down and visit. It's all free. All kinds of cool science lessons. we got a science center, a museum that'll blow your mind. And activities that are just incredible teaching, giving God the glory for his creation. You got it. Thanks for being with us again, Kent. And we'll kick it over <laughs> to Donald. Thanks again, Donald, for being with us thrilled to have you if you can let people know what people can expect to find at your link in the description um me absolutely <laughs> so thank you very much donald both of our guests are linked in the description and we do appreciate them and so with that kent is going first our format is fairly flexible so we have an eight minute opening <clears throat> from each side followed by about 45 minutes of open conversation and then 20 minutes of q a so i have got the timer set for you kent and the floor is all yours for your opening statement. Well, thank you for having me, James. And thank you, Donald, for doing this. I'm curious. You said your name is Donald Arthur Kronos, but it says you're born Donald Arthur Newman. I don't know if that means you got married and changed it or what happened there. But anyway, uh, your website, uh, you voted for Bernie Sanders. That tells me a lot right there. Uh, you said you're saying Charles Darwin was wrong, even though you have no idea what um, he said, and therefore God created this universe. Uh, and... Donald Kronos, there's his website if you want to go, or a YouTube channel, I guess. So you got the different pictures of him with a beard. I couldn't figure out which one I'm debating here. <clears throat> anyway, thank you for coming. Ubiquitous. Is evolution ubiquitous? Ubiquitous means it's present, appearing, or found everywhere. In other words, just everything is evidence for evolution. Well, I think the evidence that God's word is true and that plants and animals would always bring forth after their kind. Now that evidence is found everywhere. That is truly ubiquitous. My position is that God made everything in six days. He said in the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, the stars, the dinosaurs, everything made in six days. You can see my video series uh, where I have 18 hours on this topic answering all kinds of questions, defending the Bible as being true. Our question answer number 10, uh, number, video number seven has a lot, five hours long on all about uh, the starlight and uh, what about carbon dating and stuff like that. We believe dinosaurs lived with man. So is evolution ubiquitous? Well, that depends what you mean by the word evolution. This is my debate number 229 for me, and I've learned you have to define what you're talking about. What do you mean by evolution? Do you mean cosmic evolution, the origin of time, space, matter from the Big Bang where nothing exploded? No. Cosmic evolution is the term they use for the origin of everything. I think that is there's absolutely no evidence for cosmic evolution, that matter can create itself out of nothing. There is no evidence for that. It's not ubiquitous. It's dumb. It doesn't happen. There's zero scientific evidence for cosmic evolution. Do you mean chemical evolution, where this Big Bang produced hydrogen and that hydrogen turned into all the other elements? Chemical evolution, there's no evidence of any of this, of any of elements being able to create themselves 
or get, get into higher elements. If the Big Bang were true, it produced hydrogen, maybe some helium and lithium. Well, how do you get to iron? You can't fuse past iron. Iron cannot be fused into anything heavier because of the insane amounts of energy and force required to fuse iron atoms from futurism.com. So no, there is no evidence of chemical evolution. The evidence chemicals forming themselves or combining beyond iron is zero. It is not ubiquitous. Do you mean stellar evolution that the stars can form? They certainly talk about stellar evolution in the textbooks and on the internet. There's quite a bit about stars evolving. The silent embarrassment of modern astrophysics is we don't know how a single one of these stars managed to form. Nobody knows how stars evolve. Nobody. They have some theories that maybe the gases get together and light up. It's pure, it's pure imagination. Typical star exists for billions of years. Well, they can believe that if they want. There's no evidence of any star forming. The origin of stars is an unsolved problem for contemporary astrophysics. It's been a problem all along. No one knows how a star's formation proceeds. It's remarkable. It doesn't happen. It's never been observed. So is the evidence for stellar evolution ubiquitous? No. There's no evidence for a star forming. And we got enough stuff to go three days on here. I want to get to the point here, right? Hang on. Okay. So is evolution for stellar evolution? Is there evidence? No, it's not ubiquitous. What about organic evolution? Life starting from non-living material. There is no evidence of how life can start from non-living material. Nobody knows how a mixture of lifeless chemicals spontaneously evolved into a living cell. Nobody knows. And I've got plenty of stuff on my seminar part four about the primordial soup and the so-called uh, evolution coming from non-living material to living material. So is, is, that, is that what you mean by evolution? That life can come from non-life? No, that is certainly not ubiquitous. Uh, no evidence for, the Bible says God created life, okay? Then the last two, um, let me get to, here we go. Um, Macroevolution. Can an animal change to a different kind of animal or a plant change to a different kind of plant? Macroevolution refers to large-scale evolution. For some, this means the origin of species. For others, it means large-scale changes seen in the fossil record. I would point out there's no such thing as a fossil record. There are fossils by the bazillions, but it's not a record. None of them talk. None have a date stamped on them. There is no fossil record, okay? So are you talking about macroevolution where animals can change to a different kind of animal? There's no evidence for that. It's not ubiquitous. Kennel Association recognized 339 breeds of dogs. They might have had a common ancestor called a dog, okay? Dogs, wolves, and coyotes might have had a common ancestor. And a four-year-old can tell you a dog, a wolf, and a coyote is the same kind of animal. It's got four legs and hair on the outside and a tail at the back end. It's a dog. So evidence for God's word is true that plants and animals will always bring forth after their kind. Now that is ubiquitous. It's found everywhere. The evidence is overwhelming. Ten times in the very first chapter of the book, it says they will bring forth after their kind. That's all anybody has ever seen. Charlie Darwin wrote a book and called it The Origin of Species. Ah, oh, now there's where the trick came in. Speciation happens, but it's limited to the same kind. Is microevolution true? Ah, now that one is true. Microevolution is a lousy word. We should not use it, but they do, so let's explain it. Changes within a species or small group of organisms, especially over a short period. What is an example of microevolution? Pesticide resistance, herbicide resistance, antibiotic resistance, all examples of microevolution. It's still the same plant or animal in every case. Mosquitoes have become resistant to certain uh, pesticides they spray on them, okay? Average male sparrow size, it's larger up in Minnesota. Well, yeah, because it's cold and the large body type is necessary to maintain body heat. 
is still a sparrow. That's not evolution. Um, graph illustrates changes in global temperature from 1880 to 2000, and the mosquito population varied. It's still a mosquito. Uh, so <clears throat> there are, let's see, how many different varieties of ducks? I forget how many, like, probably quite a few, right? Maybe 50 or so. They're still a duck. So the evidence that God's word is true and the animals will always bring forth after their kind is ubiquitous. Now that is everywhere. There are 50 varieties of watermelons now, and the evidence that they can bring forth after their kind is everywhere. Watermelons always produce baby watermelons without exception. If watermelons, they are, they, that does not prove that watermelons are related to whales like you evolutionists believe with your SpongeBob wild imagination. There are about 500 kinds of mangoes. They might've had a common ancestor called a mango. God said they'd bring forth after their kind. There are 7,500 varieties of apples and they might've had a common ancestor called an apple. That is ubiquitous, okay? What about the types of wasps? 17,000 varieties of wasps, wow. 3,000 varieties of tomatoes. No, 15,000 varieties worldwide. <clears throat> Might have had a common ancestor. Tomato. But you guys put lines on your paper and say, aha, look at this. The wasp and the whale have a common ancestor. That is pure imagination. You're absolutely lying to the children. Tell them I said so. That is a bold-faced lie. God said he created all the animals to bring forth after their kind. That's all we've ever seen. Evidence that God's word is true and plants and animals would always bring forth after their kind. Now that is found everywhere, which is what the word ubiquitous means. There are a thousand varieties of bananas. They bring forth after their kind. But you guys want to teach the kids that animals and fungi and plants are related to a common ancestor. Go that is lying seconds. to the students. I think I got one minute left, okay? So there are four different varieties of elephants. Two seem to be extinct, the mammoth and the mastodon. They might've had a common ancestor and it looked like an elephant. This is not science, this is religion down in the lower part of the circle. There are 1,100 different varieties of bats. God said they'd bring forth after their kind. That's all we've seen. The leopards bring forth the leopard kind. Cats, maybe leopards and tigers are related, I don't know. There are, let's see, oak trees. 60 varieties of oak trees. Might have had a common ancestor. 195 varieties of chickens. 60 species of oak, wow, 3,000 kinds of tomato. God said they'd bring forth after their kind. So, Donald, the evidence that God's word is true <laughs> is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And you better get ready. You're going to be judged by that book one of these days. 45 varieties of pumpkins, 1,100 <clears throat> species of pine tree. Hmm. Yep, evidence is ubiquitous for microevolution. Now, if you have some evidence for anything other than that, I would like to see it. Take the floor. Donald, tell me what you got. Thank you very much. We'll kick it over to Donald indeed. And so, Donald, you've got about eight minutes and 45 seconds or so. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, well, first, I'd, I'd like to thank Kent for conceding so early in the debate. But um, but let's go ahead and have this conversation anyway, shall we? Uh, before I'd like to start, I'd, I'd like to publicly make an invitation um, since I'm pretty sure, you know, Kent's going to want to preach rather than debate. Uh, I invite his God to come here and speak for itself. I've invited it several times to join the cat and chat and it never showed up. I asked believers to invite their God to join the chat and none of them would do it. Don't know why. Um, so, you know, his God is welcome to come and join the debate and uh, talk with us in here. And, you know, you, you can get him hooked up if he, you know, if he actually comes and joins, if you don't mind. And uh, he can have some of my time. So, um, yeah, uh, because, you know, because this is a uh, this isn't a debate about religion. It's meant to be a debate about evolution. So if God wants to speak about evolution, let's let him do that himself. 
Um, let's see if I can cram this down into eight minutes. <sighs> okay, the, um, I, I wrote this out in advance, so and I haven't I haven't read it since then. It's been a while, so bear with me. The state of action, uh, the state or action of being changed into another form, is known as transmutation. The topic of this debate. Um, is evolution, not transmutation. Etymologically, evolution is the rolling out of change. That is the process of change of changes being chained together or adding up to produce larger collective changes known as cumulative change. Evolution is not the change itself. It's the process. Cumulative change is the result of the evolutionary process of changes adding up. I'm not very good at keeping things concise, so I'll try to speed things up by arguing not only my side of the debate, but also my debate opponent's side as well, at least to the extent that we agree. Um, that way, Kent doesn't have to you know, waste time preaching about stuff we're not disagreeing with each other about. Most likely, there are going to be some uh, things each of us are wrong about, so hopefully we can both learn something, uh, either through the debate itself or through the question and answer session afterward, or perhaps uh, more indirectly than that. Uh, preferably all of those ways and more. If any of Kent's supporters are watching, uh, perhaps they can request uh, in the chat that he might allow uh, questions and answer session to run into overtime. Um, so the discussion can run a little longer, uh, provided that's okay with the moderator. Uh, Kent, um, if you think you might have enough time to let that happen, let us know. Uh, if a non-religious, non-theist, as a non-religious, non-theist, um, I'm not bound by any doctrines. Um, and I'm sure I will be expressing some disagreement with some of my fellow atheists, some of whom I deeply respect, uh, yet who are um, not likely to be at all happy with my disagreement. That's okay, though. Uh, the truth is what matters. Learning is more important than agreeing. And besides, uh, we aren't required to agree with each other. The only thing we can be reasonably sure all atheists agree with each other on is that theism hasn't convinced them it's right. Um, I'll start by uh, taking a positive stance for which I will have the burden of proof and then listing some of the things that Kent and I uh, agree on. But if anyone wants to quote me on uh, any of this, um, I ask that they include a link to the entire debate for context, if possible, or at least mention the debate and encourage people to look it up because uh, there are limits to uh, some of these um, agreements and there are also things that we disagree on. Uh, if I'm not, if I'm mistaken about any such agreement or disagreement, I look forward to being corrected. Uh, theists often complain about atheists telling them that they have the burden of proof, uh, but the only reason that happens is because uh, theistic doctrines make positive claims, and as a result, uh, theists tend to make positive claims based on their theistic doctrines. Atheism doesn't have any doctrines or positive claims; it's just a lack of theism, and I can't change that. Uh, if I, as an atheist, make a positive claim, it's my positive claim. It's not atheism's positive claim. So I'll start with a question, and Kent can give his answer to this question uh, if he wants to as well. Uh, the question is as follows. Is it possible uh, for a form of life as simple as a single-celled organism to evolve into a form of life as complex as a human being? My answer is yes. Yes, it is definitely possible. In fact, yes, it is. it has definitely happened. Uh, there's my positive claim. Now I have the burden of proof on that claim. More specifically, uh, I'm claiming that changes to a living um, single-celled life form uh, can add up in such ways, uh, in such a way as to eventually produce a living multi-celled life form as complex as a human being with each stage along the way surviving in its environment long enough 
for more uh, such changes to add up and therefore humans and other such complex life forms are not irreducibly complex. So let's look at some of the things we agree on. Uh, we both agree that uh, early 19th century, the other early 19th century theory of evolution commonly known as Lamarckism is nonsense. As it was known to be, as it was known to be nonsense, 50 years before Darwin published *On the Origin of Species*, although Kent oftenly mistaken, often mistakenly calls Lamarckism Darwinism or treats it like it's a modern theory of evolution. We also both agree uh, that some science textbooks have errors in them. For that matter, uh, so do some mathematics textbooks. In fact, any book on any subject can have errors in it. We also agree that authors should try to keep errors to a minimum. Uh, admit them when they happen and correct them in, in future publications when possible. And to be clear, uh, we both agree that an amoeba wasn't the ancestor of all life, that cats don't produce dogs and dogs don't produce cats, and that in, in the rare event an elephant might try to mate with a pine tree, it's most likely not going to produce a viable offspring. We also agree that not all evolution is biological evolution. For clarification, I will say that the word evolution, I will say that the word evolution when used in the context of biology generally does refer to biological evolution and people should be careful not to conflate one usage with another. What is meant by evolution or biological evolution often depends on context including who's talking and what they're talking about. I'll try to be specific. I encourage others to do likewise when possible. We also agree that none of our grandparents were rocks and that in reproduction, each life form tends to reproduce more of the same overall kind of life form with some variation. However, I don't believe that it's likely that there's actually such thing as a supernaturally created kind outside of fiction. So on that point, I'm pretty sure we disagree. It seems we also agree that nested cladogenesis does happen. That is to say, dog parents always produce dog puppies, and Chihuahua parents always produce Chihuahua puppies. But since Chihuahuas are dogs, some dog parents produce Chihuahua puppies, while other dog parents might produce Great Dane puppies. The question I would like to address is whether or not evolution is ubiquitous. That is to say, is evolution happening pretty much all around us, essentially all of the time? I propose that the answer is yes. For the sake of clear communication, we need to make a distinction between evolution and history. When people talk about evolution, uh, when people talk about the history of evolution, that's not evolution, that's history. My worst subject and of little interest to me, although it is my opinion that natural history is the best kind of history because it's recorded by nature rather than claimed by humans, and that evolutionary history is the most interesting and likely most useful subset of natural history. There are two major usages of the word history, put simply, one is the study of past events, as a subject in general, and the other is any series of past events leading up to whatever it is they're viewed as part of the history of. For example, uh, past events in any way contributing to modern dance having become what it is, about, would be considered, what's that? We've got about 45 minutes or 45 seconds left. <laughs> wow, 45 minutes left, that's a long time. Yeah, I'm not gonna make it all the way through this, but I'll keep, keep going until you stop me. Um, where was I? Uh, process of accumulation of change to, to dance caused by those events con constitutes the evolution of dance and the accumulation of those changes to dance, um, which have stood the test of time, can be seen as the evolution of modern dance. Um, yeah, likewise, any past events which have in any, have in any way con contributed to modern earth 
life becoming what it has become are considered part of the history of modern earth life viewed from an evolutionary perspective that is evolutionary history not evolution itself however the process of surviving heritable changes uh, to earth life accumulating over many generations constitutes the evolution of life on earth evolution does not record or dictate history humans Time. record that is it up that was uh, basically eight minutes and 45 seconds on each side. So we'll jump into the open conversation. Do want to ask, well, I'll give you, a, let me finish. Uh, let me give you a chance to finish that sentence, though, Donald. Sorry about that. I had three paragraphs left. So if you want to cut me off in the middle of it, that's okay. Uh, maybe I can bring it up during the, uh, you know, during the discussion or, you know, who knows what. Um, Fair. All I've, right. I've got way more stuff than I can cover in the time we have. Gotcha. We'll jump into the open discussion, which will be 45 minutes. I've got the timer set. The floor is all yours, gentlemen. Uh, Donald, you brought up several things. You said the evolution of dance. Do you think that's happening by itself? Or is there any intelligent input into that? Uh, is this, oh, there's uh, definitely intelligent input into it. And yes, it is definitely what happening. What's that? Is that what you mean by evolution? That changes can happen with intelligence guiding the changes? Is that what you no, mean? No, that's not evolution? what I mean by evolution. I said <laughs> what I meant by evolution. You mean by, that's why... I said there are six different meanings to the word. Oh, you want to address that? About? Sure, let's let's address that. How, how about we how about we do that? I um, okay. Uh, let's see. I gave lots of examples of what's called microevolution. There are four hundred varieties of cabbage. Is that proof enough to you yeah. that cabbage and mosquitoes are related? Actually, if you recall, I was the one who told you about that. You didn't know about it at the time. Brassica Aracia. Yeah, that was me on the phone. I told you I had taught you something. You said you didn't recall the conversation. That was it. About, you taught me that, that there was are 400 of, kinds of That cabbage. was one of a few things I taught you, actually. Are you telling me that you taught me there are 400 kinds of cabbage? You might have done that. That's a good. I thank you for telling me. Is that well, I, didn't, I didn't say exactly how many kinds, but I did bring it up to you, and I did bring out some, up some of the variety, <laughs> and I did talk about their evolution, how they evolved, why they evolved. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you learned from it. Donald, Donald, yeah. are they still cabbage? Um, yes, and they're still mustard as well. And they're still what? They're still mustard as well. They're still mustard. So yep. is that evidence convincing to you that cabbage and mosquitoes are related if you go back in time far enough? What's it have to do with mosquitoes? Or do, do the charts Mosquitoes aren't an clearly. ancestor of cabbage. You can't go back in time now. and find mosquitoes <clears throat> from cabbage. The charts... The charts we teach the kids in school, like I have up on the screen, show that whales and mosquitoes and cabbage have a common ancestor. They have lines going back to a single common ancestor. They also believe... have they also have genes tracing them back to a common ancestor. Okay, so Besides, do you... the, the lines the lines are just somebody's way of showing what the evidence is. That that's not the evidence. Okay. Do you believe this chart represents science? That there is scientific evidence that it a is whale representative and a mosquito. Of it, yes, the chart is not the science, but yes, it does represent the science. So you, I'm just going to try to get clear for the audience here. You believe whales and mosquitoes have a common ancestor sometime long ago and far away. What is the evidence? I any? I I, I don't have a belief in such a thing. The evidence <laughs> indicates that. Yes. What evidence indicates that whales and mosquitoes are related? Genetic in, in genetic evidence strongly and, indicates, and okay. not just that they're related, but exactly how they're related. Okay, I think I could show you thousands of books right here in my library that all use a common code called the English language. Twenty six yeah. letters. Yeah, have you have you heard of the related? book uh, of pandas and people? 
yeah, there, yeah. There, there, there is a particular case where an ancestor where an ancestor of one version of that book was shown to be an ancestor of that version of that book because of the because of the evidence left behind in it there was a you know a, a transitional fossil left in the book there was that that was okay. in a court case Donald, I would say the English language has 26 letters, and that's the common code that all English books are written in. Did you know that the, the, the did you know ampersand used to be a letter in the English alphabet? Just to be sure, what we might have to do is just to uh, kind of eliminate the interruptions. We might have to kick in Sorry. to a, like a three-minute three-minute response from each side. Nah, nah. I'll just I'll just let him talk. I, I've got stuff to say. When he's ready to let me say it, he can go ahead and do that. Go ahead, okay, Ken. So I want to make sure I understand you clearly what your position is. You think that this chart is showing the kids the truth that whales and mosquitoes have a common ancestor because they have the same DNA code. Is that your evidence for relationship? They have the same code that the language that the life form is written in? That is the evidence, yes. And I know for a fact that that chart is an extreme oversimplification. But yes, it probably is intended to show them the truth as well as could be shown uh, for someone of that age in a textbook. So you think it's okay to show, you're saying you think it's okay to show students in school by the millions at taxpayer expense that whales and mosquitoes have a common ancestor. Is that by what using we're debating? What's that? Is that what we're debating? Because I thought the debate, yes. debate. You said the evidence. I, the evidence for evolution, evolution is ubiquitous. You're saying the right. evidence is everywhere. Where is the evidence that mosquitoes and whales have a common ancestor? You're saying the DNA. In code? the genetics. You you got okay. that right. It's in the genetic. Okay. <clears throat> I would agree. They they have many similarities in the DNA code, the C A T G, but that could prove the same designer made the code. Yeah, except it's not just a matter of similarities. One sec. Okay. I, I, I have, I'm going to give you Sorry, a chance to I'm respond. Sorry, I'm too much again. One sec, Donald. Uh, they are saying, Donald, that your mic. I think your mic might be bumping into your shirt, and it causes a, a noise that is distracting. Sorry. Here, um, let me uh, try to fix that if I can. If I tuck that through here, maybe let it evolve. Then it shouldn't bounce around. Is that I th better? think that's better. Okay. Hopefully, it will be. Okay, Donald, would it be okay if someone chose to believe that the whale and the mosquito have a common designer? Because all we've ever of actually course. seen... It's okay ever for someone to believe. Seen, <clears throat> you said you wouldn't interrupt. All we've Sorry. ever actually seen is whales produce whales. We've never seen a whale produce a non-whale. Never. So why would you say it's science to believe it happened in the past when it can't happen today? Science because is things we can observe, study, and test, and demonstrate. They observe whales making baby whales. That's as far as it goes. Are you ready for an answer to that? Yeah, uh, yeah I'd love to hear an answer to that one. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, we have observed many things uh, giving rise to things that they weren't. What they don't do is stop being what they were. Wait, wait, wait. That's a contradictory statement. Say that no, it's not at all a contradictory statement. Okay. As I said, the cabbages are still mustard. Broccoli is still a mustard. Are they still plants? They're still plants as well, yes. Plants okay, never. Does that prove, does that prove plants, plants and whales are related? There's only one way that a plant reproducing sexually could produce a non plant, and that is for it to mate with a non plant. And if, a, if, for example, if a pine tree mated with an elephant successfully, do you know what that would be? Do you know what the result would be? Stupid. The result would be a eukaryote. 
because that's what they both are. Both parents would be eukaryotes, the offspring would be eukaryotes. So yes, they would be, be producing the same as you call it kind. The thing is, I don't see any evidence that those are created kinds. I see, yes, uh, you can use the word kind, okay, and I can go along with that. And uh, it, can, it can be vague or very specific depending on how you go about using it. But uh, yeah, if an elephant in a pine tree successfully made it, whether through you know help from a, from a, from a laboratory or somehow you know they, they did it on their own, uh, their offspring would be a eukaryote. You're aware, of course, that uh, it is not possible in any laboratory if a group of scientists, intelligent scientists, could take the gene code from an elephant and cross it with the gene code from a pine tree to create a pelephant. Okay. Uh, that would prove it takes intelligence to do this. It doesn't happen in nature. All we see, all we observe is pine trees produce pine trees. I got thousands of them on my property here. Come see them. Pine trees make pine trees every time. But you, you think, Donald, you think pine trees came from a single-celled organism, don't you? Yes. Why would you believe such a thing? Every last one of them. Every pine tree came from a single-celled organism. Yep. Is that what you believe? Yep. And you want every that pine to be tree, part. every pine tree was a single-celled organism at one stage in its life, ah, and it came from that, and I it survived know. every stage along the way. And by the way, by the way, the word evolution was used to describe an embryo's development long before it was used to describe the evolution of life over generations. Now that's where I, I started at the beginning, asking, "What exactly do you mean by evolution? If a single all of the things you um, named and none of the things you called hold them." Hold on, Donald. Uh, okay. Just the Sorry. the interruption. We might have to go to a three-minute, three-minute interval. I was only trying okay. to answer him. Let, let so, him go. If a sperm and an egg combine to make a zygote, a single cell, and it slowly develops into a human being, is that, in your mind, evolution? That is one type of evolution, yes. That is not reproductive evolution, and the changes that it makes over its lifetime will not be passed on. If it, uh, for example, some comes into contact with some chemical that changes, that, that affects its eye color, so it ends up with purple eyes. It doesn't mean its offspring are going to have purple eyes. It doesn't have the genetics to have that happen. It just, you know, had that happen as a development during its lifetime. I taught biology 15 years. I understand that extremely well. So, the, But would you agree that the zygote forming from a sperm and an egg is following a code as it develops? What told it to divide and make two? And eventually you get a right and a left side of the body. Is This is, this is an incredibly complicated four-dimensional code, way more than our two-dimensional you know, uh, code that we use for our computers. This is four-dimensional, three... Uh, three uh, <clears throat> three-dimensional, four-part code. This is not simple. It is, it's so for, if you're thinking that a single cell you're developing into a pine tree because the pollen came, fell on the, uh, uh, the seed and pollinated it, and that is what you mean by evolution, then you're being very deceitful to no, let the I'm kids not. get a chart. Yes, you are. To let a kids get a chart like this, that that's evidence that a pine tree and a whale are related. You're conflating. deceitful. No, you are conflating. Complaining. I'm pointing out the no, obvious. No, I said that's you are conflating. Science. You are conflating, oh, conflating. one. Okay. Yes, you are conflating two different science. things. <clears throat> it's not science to say that a pine tree. That that is not the evolution of an embryo. That is evolution of many, many, many generations of populations. <clears throat> and what's okay. represented in the pictures is is a simple uh, depiction of some member or some uh, representative. Um, 
graphic representation of some uh, of that particular population at that point in the in the graph that they're showing that's all that is it's as i mentioned an oversimplification but that is population genetics that's reproductive evolution that's not evolution of an embryo and it's also not cosmic evolution by the way uh, you you have said that cosmic evolution is the origin of time and space the big bang uh, that's an origin not a process Evolution is a process. Cosmic evolution is the evolution of the cosmos. In other words, you know, cosmic evolution is the process of change accumulating or being accumulated, you know, as the, the cosmos changes, it adds up changes. That doesn't matter whether that you and I are part of the cosmos. We're part of cosmic evolution. In other words, the, the, the accumulation of developmental changes and generative changes and destructive changes and all other kinds of changes that have accumulated anywhere in the universe during all of time and across all the space, potentially including uh, whatever caused the Big Bang, although we currently have no, no way of knowing that, uh, but certainly including the accumulation of changes that produce subatomic particles, atoms, molecules, complex chemicals, galaxies, stars, planets, weather patterns, ecosystems, biology, uh, cellular life, multicellular life, uh, the diversity of ocean life, land life, mammals like us, and even human cultures. Um, however, or evolution is not an origin event as you keep making it out to be. It's a process. Well, in order for anything to evolve, it has to exist. That's How true. did it come into existence? Where did matter come from? Well, evolution creates things. Evolution is a has is, has a, a will a mind is, is evolution no, is, is your is your God named evolution? No. Why well, would you, you said, Why would you conflate a natural process with 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 a with a supernatural deity? Well, you are giving a natural process, as you call it, deity powers to create. Where nope. did time, space, and matter come from? No, you no, said you, you, are, created. you are assigning those things to a deity. You're assigning those as deity powers. And I'm so not. so are you. I recognize you are, the natural processes. Is, this natural process is your God. You think that natural process can create time, space, and matter and create life from non-living material. Your I God didn't say that. I said that's something we I don't, don't know yet. Say it. You don't, you'd be embarrassed to say it. I'll say it for no. you. You believe evolution Evolution is your God. So you're... So you're so you're strawmanning me on purpose now. No, no, no. You said, you just I said, did. Where, where did time, space, matter come from? You said evolution created it. So you're giving That's evolution not what I said. No, again, you're strawmanning me. I did not okay. say that. Tell me where time, space, matter came from one more time. I don't know. Neither do you. Well, is it okay if I say I believe God did it? And since yes, you don't okay. know, and so wait, wait, wait. since nobody knows, why are we teaching all this to the kids in public school like we do know? You could say the tooth fairy did it, too. It wouldn't make it true. Oh, I agree. See, I'm not telling everybody they've got to pay to, have my, to teach my religion in the school. You want everybody to pay to teach your religion. Well, but, you, you? But, you, but you do sell your books, and you do uh, you know, go to schools and do your preaching and stuff like that. So, yeah, in a way, you are, actually. <laughs> you are actually doing what you just said you, you don't do. But um, but if we can get on with the actual debate, wait a minute. No, I'm not going to let that one slide. I am not okay. requiring the taxpayers to pay my salary while I teach them that mosquitoes and whales came from a rock. I'm not doing that. See, your textbook so, shows so you, that animals and so fungi and plants have a common ancestor. I think they're lying. So you're, so you're strawmanning them as well. No, it's not strawmanning. I already 
I already told you, I already said in my opening statement, we agree that we didn't come from Iraq. Well, the books teach that. No, not they any don't. that are, not any, not any that got it right. And most of them do get it right. Yes, okay. some no, make Donald, errors. Donald, let me ask you a simple question. Do you believe the earth was a hot molten ball of rock 4.6 no. billion years ago? You don't believe no. that? No, I the believe that the, that the earth was a hot molten ball of a whole lot of different element, elements and that it was liquid. It was not rock. Okay. Did the liquid cool down and turn to rock? Some of it. Some of it did. Okay. On the surface. Did it rain yeah. on those rocks for millions so, of years and make oceans? No. It didn't? Where no. did the where did the where did the primordial soup come from? Who said anything about primordial soup? We were talking well, about the, the early Earth. Yeah, the textbooks teach that life had to form in this primordial soup. Yeah, but you're jumping way ahead. You were talking about the early Earth. <laughs> the early Earth had water in it. So where did as, this water come as from? As I said, it was a mixture of a bunch of different elements. And where did these elements come from? From nothing? Well, we're getting into, we're, there we're getting into cosmic evolution and stellar evolution. Do you want me to no, go into you, details? You chose the title for the debate, Is uh, Absolutely Ubiquitous? I'm, not, is, I'm ready for it, if that's what you want. Okay. You want me to go well, into details? You I did have other things I was going to try to add, but yeah. Okay. Your claim is that the evidence for evolution is everywhere. Yep. Which exact, which kind of well, evolution are you talking about? Evolution. I'm not talking about one kind. I'm talking about evolution. And what do you mean by that word? That dogs and pine trees are related? It or has nothing to do with dogs and pine trees. Evolution is the process of change accumulating or being accumulated. It is a process. Okay. It's not a history. It's not, it's not a claim. It's not a story. It's not a religion. It has nothing to do with any of the stuff you make it out to be. Evolution is a process. That's okay, all so it is. You think that the evidence for evolution, for a process, is ubiquitous. The yes. process of changing to a different kind. I showed you no, I, that there are four hundred. There, there you're strawmanning me again. I am not. I'm trying to get you, you to understand. Did. Okay, let me try to make it simple, okay? You can there ask me six, about that. I'll answer it. Okay, there are 60 varieties of oak trees. They might have had a common ancestor called a tree. Is that evidence that trees and mosquitoes are related in your mind? No, is that, that has nothing to do with mosquitoes. About? Okay, well, you I didn't mention that... mosquitoes in that, so no, it doesn't. Um, let's try another one. There the are fact that they're varieties... both eukaryotes does. So the fact that they're both eukaryotes, the mosquito and the oak tree are both eukaryotes, therefore they are related in your mind. Is that because correct? they have both because they have both inherited genes from primitive eukaryotes and there is a trail of how those genes were inherited and oh, and their like and what is what are their closest relatives and exactly how they're related to each other it's all in you, the genetics it's all in the, the code it's all in the wow. exact order of the of the dna Would you it's like reading it's like reading a book Okay, where's this code? Where's this? You said there's a trail of how this happened. What is it? What trail are you referring to, Donald? I'm talking about, well, uh, for one, uh, endogenous retroviruses, which are so inherited. The, so the it, fact that different species have endogenous retroviruses is indication they have a common the ancestor? The fact that they have them, 
it's not the fact that they have them. It's exactly where they have them in their genome and exactly what changes to them have happened over time as they have passed them on from generation to generation to generation because those changes are trackable across the different species, across the different genuses, across the, the families and, and larger groups. These are all things that, I mean, for example, there's, there's, there's several, several uh, endogenous retroviruses that all mammals have. But we don't okay. all have the exact same copy of. They, some of them have evolved a little bit. They've in, they've accumulated little changes. They've microevolved. Okay. Now, would you agree that computer code to write, let's say, Microsoft PowerPoint, the the, the program code to write PowerPoint, how many lines of code would that be, Steve? Millions of lines of code to make PowerPoint. Are there any mistakes in Microsoft PowerPoint code? Do you think? Did you think yes. over the years they've the, the the programmer might have made a mistake. Yes. They still find mistakes, okay? Yes. Does that therefore prove that nobody wrote the code? No. Why why oh, would good, you even good. We're getting somewhere. That? We're getting somewhere. Good. Well, because you think because there are endogenous retroviruses, we'll call that a mistake. Instead of telling me what I think, why don't you ask me? Okay. Do you believe that the evidence of a mistake in the genetic code, which is way more complicated than Microsoft PowerPoint code? is evidence that nobody wrote that code. No. Do you do? Yes, you do. I'll answer for no. you. Yes, you do. Well, you don't, there you, don't there you go, wrote the straw manning me again. Okay. Why? Why do you do straw you, man me? Do, do you agree that the code in a single cell is more complex, has more lines of code than Microsoft PowerPoint with its millions of lines of code? It doesn't have any lines of code at all. We call okay. it a code by analogy. It is actually a poor analogy, but it is an analogy. And yes, that is a common thing that it's called. But that's kind of like when they call the Earth spinning when it's rotating at one revolution every 24 hours. The word spin is defined as rapid rotation. The Earth doesn't oh, rotate okay. rapidly. The Earth does not spin. But I recognize that people refer to planetary spin when what they mean is planetary rotation. That's a well-known historic use of the word. It is colloquial, and I will not use it that way, but I do understand that other people do. Okay. So there are, how about the information found in the genetic code? Everybody refers to it as a genetic code. The four yeah. parts, C-A-T-G, and whereas our binary code we use only has two, plus minus, or on off, or yes, no. So the we code use that others man as well, uses, but yes. The code that man uses for all of his computers is primitive compared to the, the code found in all life forms. Very primitive. And yet you and think... much that, more precise. Right. And you think nobody wrote that code. No, I'm saying our what the code on computers is much more precise. What you you're calling code, code in genetics is more... loosely able to be called code because it doesn't it doesn't behave as predictably as what you call code in a computer. Well, do you think the code in computer is there any chance this code could happen by chance? Yes. There I've is. written pro I have written programs to do exactly that. I've actually written programs that write other programs, make them up as, as they go. Okay, think about what you are saying. You have created a program. Right. Do you have an intelligent mind? Yes. Okay, so it's and intelligent. Not, and I'm not saying your God didn't make the Big Bang. <laughs> he is invited to come speak for himself if he wants to say he did. Otherwise, we have Donald, nothing more to say about your God. Let's talk God about evolution. Is, Donald, 
God is busy. He sent me to straighten you out. Okay. So your God isn't powerful enough to take a little time off and speak for himself. (laughs) He has to have, you think you can speak for your God better than he can? Oh no. He's already spoken very clearly. He wrote, actually wrote a book. I've read it many times. Yeah. Actually, no, he didn't. That was written by human beings. You think they could speak better? You think they could speak for him better than he can? Well, if I dictate a letter to my secretary and she writes it, it's my words. Write this down, secretary, and she writes it down. Is well, it my why words? Why couldn't words? God? So then, why couldn't God keep them from getting all the all those errors introduced into all the different translations? I mean, if if it was really Here his words, well, was we're he, way I off mean, topic. Let's, I would okay. Def, I would defy you to show me an error in the King James Bible. But that's okay. another. Let's have another. We'll have another okay, debate. Yeah, we're not okay. on that topic. So let's let's okay. stick to the topic at hand. The Bible has evolved. We both know that. No, we don't know that. You, you yes, might we do. That. The Bible has accumulated changes over time. It has it has been translated and retranslated. And each time that happens, it gets little changes. And sometimes those changes get corrected. But the correction is also a change being made. So when an error happens, that's a change. If someone corrects that error, that's another change. Sometimes that change will exactly undo the change that was made accidentally. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes someone will correct something that they thought was an error and it wasn't actually an error and they end up introducing an error by trying to correct an error. All of that is part of the evolution of the Bible. The Bible has evolved. That's exactly what you are doing. You're introducing an error to try to correct what you think is an error. The fact is cows produce cows and dogs produce dogs and mosquitoes produce mosquitoes without exception. And you're introducing an error into our textbook by saying that's proof that they're related long ago and far away. It's fairy tale. You're tormenting me again. No, I'm not. I'm pointing out the obvious. To anybody I did not say that. You have repeatedly said that I'm saying that, and I haven't said it once. Okay, well, let me show you the chart again, okay? Do you believe these charts are accurate that say animals and plants have a common ancestor? This is found in all the biology textbooks. That's a statement. I don't need a chart for the statement. Yes, the statement is true. We do have evidence. Animals? We do have evidence that <laughs> they have a common ancestor, yes. Actually, it's probably not just a common ancestor. It's probably a common population ancestor, not an wow. individual ancestor. But it doesn't really matter. And the reason why I say, specify that is because if you go back as far as unicellular animals, or not animals, unicellular life forms, there's a lot of horizontal gene transfer. And uh, it, it, it gets a little, a little bit of a gray area. Who is whose parent? I, I know who my parents were. Um, yeah, because you're not, okay. you're not unicellular. You evolved from an egg. I evolved. Yes, you evolved from a fertilized egg. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't evolve generation by generation from an egg. Your cells evolved generation by generation from a fertilized egg and produced the colony of cells that is your body. I agree. I'm a colony of cells. There are probably more cells in the human body than there are stars in the sky. Yeah, there are a lot of stars. There are a lot of uh, cells in the body. And you know what most of those cells in the human body are? They're not human. The the vast majority, by number. They form by chance. Each one of those cells is more complex than the space shuttle. By number, you are more bacteria than human. I'm a, wow. There are more bacterial cells in you than human cells because bacterial cells are very small. I agree. You chose the title for the debate that the evidence for evolution is ubiquitous. And no, you're that telling wasn't the title. It's evolution is ubiquitous. Yes, the evolution is also ubiquitous, but that wasn't it. Okay. The evidence so is you... ubiquitous, but the title is you... evidence is evidence evolution, for is, evolution is everywhere. And yet Ev- evolution I... is everywhere. 
evolution is everywhere. Wow. Yes. Okay. And so by that word evolution, you mean change. So you no. have to have so you have to have something to change. Where did the matter, the time, the space come from? Where did the energy come from for this? Where did the food come from for all these organisms to eat all this time? Should where we back up to where you just got from? me wrong again? What now? Should we back up to where you just strawmanned me again? Where I I you asked you that's what I meant. I said no. I am trying to figure out what you what you think you believe. I don't think you know either, but this go ahead. It's a matter me. of belief. Linguistics is my field, one of several actually. Okay. Evolution is the process of change adding up. It's not just change. If you roll a dice and you get a six, and then you turn it over and you get a one, the change from a six to a one was not evolution. The turning it over was evolution because the turning it over is movement, and movement is the accumulation of change in position. Okay. You, you evolve your dice for 20 billion years. When will you get a seven? As soon as you paint on an extra dot. Oh, so somebody has to actually add this, uh, an intelligent source. Well, that's one way. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's one way. So just, just rolling the dice would give you, uh, just one dice would give you a seven, a six-sided oh, yeah. dice? Oh, yeah. No, okay. you didn't say six-sided dice. I have 12-sided <laughs> dice. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. You have said many things I'd love to uh, um, discuss here briefly. I'd like you to explain. The evidence for evolution is ubiquitous, and your, uh, your example of evolution is a process whereby things change. So if you changed, um, if, you, if you roll the dice, two, two six-sided dice enough times, will you ever get a 13 or a 14? They change each time you roll the dice within limits. Not as long as they're still six-sided dice because you're not allowing that to change. You're limiting no. one of the changes that they're allowed to do. <clears throat> okay, we've seen a if lot you're of allowed, If you're allowed to modify one of the dice, then then sure, you might get that. But see, okay. you're restricting evolution to a certain thing. That's that's kind of like asking, uh, you know, if, if, if a dog keeps having chihuahuas as babies, will it ever end up having a non-chihuahua as a baby? Well, the answer is it's going to keep having, if, if it's a chihuahua, it's going to keep having chihuahuas as a baby until it mates with something that isn't a chihuahua. Would it still be a dog? Yes. Well, then that's not evolution. Actually, it would still be a wolf. And if it, and if it mated with a wild wolf, the result of that would also still be a wolf. And okay. if it mated with a dog in the larger sense, not domesticated dogs, but dogs as the group that contains wolves and foxes, if it, if it for example, uh, mated with a, with a fox and produced a viable offspring, that would also be a dog, but not a domesticated dog. That would be a dog in the larger clade sense. Okay. And, and, you... and if they and if it then made if the re, if the result of that if that dog then mated with a cow and produced a viable offspring, the result would be a mammal. Linguistics. Because okay. because both parents are mammals, their offspring would be a mammal. There is no inconsistency there with what the theory of biological the modern theory of biological evolution actually says. The modern okay. synthesis theory of biological evolution has all of this covered and then some, but you keep going back to Lamarckianism. Is a mosquito a mammal? No. Okay. Somewhere in the past, and by your theory, 
whatever the ancestor was, some of them turned into mosquito, which is non-mammal, and some of them turned into dog, which is mammal. But yet you believe they had a common ancestor, don't you? Well, their, com well, their common ancestor was non-mammal, non-mosquito. So it changed into something other than its same kind. The Bible says they're bringing oh, forth didn't. after their kind. What evidence do you have to contradict Genesis chapter 1? That God said was, they'll bring forth after their kind. Their common ancestor was Metazoa. They are both Metazoa. And, and, if, they, and if they mated with each other, if you could somehow get them to mate with each other and produce a viable offspring, that too would be Metazoa, an animal, just like us humans. This, it has never been observed in science, which is science deals with what we can observe, study, and test. It you, has never you, been observed. You've seen the whole universe? You've observed everything for all of time? Because you're saying it's never been observed. Oh, well, no, you might I've want to be careful the whole universe. But if you okay. want to use that then you argument, might want to, Then you might no. want to qualify it with you don't know of it, because you're, you're showing your ignorance, not what is fact. Okay. Now, what are you saying no. you're ignorant of? No scientist on the planet, no human on the planet has ever seen an apple produce a non-apple or a dog produce a non-dog. We've seen variations within the apple kind. There are now 7,500 varieties of apples. Most have been produced by some farmer to grow in his particular soil or climate, but they're still apple. But yet yeah, you we're believe- We're in agreement on that. Good, but you believe apples and mosquitoes have a common ancestor, don't you? The evidence indicates it. I don't have a need to believe or disbelieve it. I know what the evidence about? shows. Where's the evidence of any mosquito ever producing a non-mosquito? Are we going to go in circles because you've already asked me that and I've already I, answered it? Because you don't have, you don't even understand that you don't have an answer. You don't even understand. I do that. have an answer, and I gave you the answer. Apparently, you don't comprehend the answer, and you don't, and you don't seem to remember either. Because after I've told you we agree on something, you keep going back and treating me like I disagree. Okay. How about so we go to chemical evolution? Wait, how about we go to chemical evolution, okay? Uh, it seems to me that you've said that chemical evolution is the, or, the origin of higher elements from hydrogen. That's what you said, more or less, right? The textbooks say that the Big Bang produced hydrogen and maybe, maybe you, some helium. What do you say? I say God created all the elements. Okay, what do you say chemical evolution is defined as? The changing from the hydrogen into the other chemicals, the other okay, elements. That's, that's what I said. Okay. Um, you believe that again, happened? again, that is an origin, not a process. Evolution okay. is a process. But chemical evolution, believe? chemical evolution, which includes <laughs> molecular evolution, is the evolution of chemistry. Whether at the molecular level or the atomic fusion and fission doesn't really matter. In other words, chemical evolution is the process of chemical change accumulating or being accumulated, which is a subset of change accumulating or being accumulated. Chemical evolution is therefore evolution. If you have a definition of some kind of evolution that is not a process of change accumulating or being accumulated, then it's not a definition of evolution at all. Okay, do you believe the Big Bang produced hydrogen that somehow over whatever process you want turned into gold? We do have gold on the planet. I know the in, I know the evidence does indicate that, and I know the details of how as well. Do I believe it? No, I don't disbelieve it either. I know what the evidence indicates, and it seems probable. So it seems probable to you that hydrogen gas can be turned into gold. Would you please do that? Has, like to have has that. done so. I has well, done so. Make me some gold out of hydrogen gas. I want to see that. Do I have a big bang in my pocket? I almost said something unkind. 
Um, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> We're having fun here, right? I mean, you're enjoying this, aren't you? Oh, I love go it. Go for yes. it. I think most of, the audience, most of the audience can see clearly what's going on here. There is I no hope so. I certainly there, hope so. Well, good. Okay, how about how about we go to stellar evolution and planetary evolution? You've okay, you you've defined stellar and planetary evolution as the origin of stars and planets, right? Has anybody ever seen a star form? Okay, that is how you've defined it, right? Well, has the it, origin of stars and planets. Okay, we would agree. I think there are lots of stars out there. We would agree that we see them blow up once in a while, called a nova or supernova. Has anybody ever seen a star form? Not explode. I mean, a form from from dust cloud. Not that I'm aware of. Why? Because there's a lot of stars out there. How do you explain? Well, we can, We have seen the various stages of them forming, but it takes a really long time. So because it takes a really long time, we can look at the stages and we can watch them changing a little bit from one stage toward another stage. But we, uh, at this point, our uh, our technology to view them is still somewhat primitive, so we can't do that very well just yet. So but that, that but that's but that's di that's diverting from the topic at hand and and the question I just asked. Do you define stellar evolution and planetary evolution as the origin of stars and planets? Well, you is guys that the definition you've been telling people that scientists are using? You have to have an explanation for the formation of stars. All we've that's ever not an answer to my question. I'm trying. All we've ever seen in the history of humanity is stars blowing up. That is the opposite of stars forming. Nobody's ever observed a star forming. You can imagine it if you wish, but it's not science. It's you your know religion. What, Would you, you know what gravity is, right? Is a religion that you believe in? Can you admit that at least? That's your no. religion. No. You're, you're God's You're strawmanning me again. You are strawmanning me again. Okay. You know what gravity is, correct? Nobody knows what gravity is. We know what it does. I can you, tell you okay, you know what gravity does, right? Know what gravity does? Yes. Okay. So if so if there if there is a a lump of rock out there, a planet, a molten ball of lava, magma, whatever you want to call it, if there's something heavy out there, eh, maybe a gold coin floating in space, or a or, or a tea a, a teacup or um, a tea kettle for that matter, something out there heavy enough to have enough gravity to attract hydrogen to it, and it's in a large hydrogen cloud, a hydrogen cloud the size of our galaxy just loose hydrogen out there. What do you suppose will happen to that large hydrogen cloud over time if there's nothing else affecting it except its own gravity and the gravity of that random heavy object? Right, about five well, minutes for q and A. I I did not interrupt you. Give me a chance to answer. Your analogy, your, your analogy you're trying to make here assumes that you have the hydrogen to begin with and that right. you have gravity to begin with and that you have space. Which yeah, goes back to analogy. Now you interrupted me. Sorry. That goes back to the issue of time, space, matter. Where did the space come from for this cloud to exist in? Where did You're the time come from for it to slowly? Donald, and where did Donald, the force you do have to gravity, let him finish. Where did but he's the not finishing. Gravity, he's asking who, another question. Who created the force of gravity? Gravity is pretty the question. I use it all the time. But who created that force? Will you answer the question? Go ahead. Will you answer the question that was asked? I am very confused about which question you're talking okay, about. Okay, 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 okay. Then let me answer it for you. Gravity will attract the hydrogen to the heavier object. 
because the I heavier agree. object has a center of gravity. Okay, so we agree. So you've just you've just tackled star formation. Now we know gravity creates stars. Oh no, we know got no more than enough because you've got more than enough hydrogen in that size cloud to form a star. We just need time and gravity. You've just answered the question. Accumulation of change in position of hydrogen atoms is all we need. Therefore, evolution of that gas cloud will form a star. That is stellar evolution. It's not an origin story. It's not, uh, it's not defined as the origin of a star. It is a process by which stars form and change. So you still did not answer where the hydrogen came from, where the space came from, where the force of because energy came from. we don't came. have time. Of course you I can answer those things. I'd like to No, hear because, because we're running up on question and answer. And we okay. run out of time. I've got all kinds of stuff here that, that I wish we had time to go in, but you wanted a short debate. How about we come How about we come back for round two, round three, round four, whatever it takes to actually get to the stuff? You want answers to your questions? I'll give them to you. Are you are you willing to handle that? Oh, I'll pick the title next time, but yes, sir, I'll be glad to take you on again. No, no, no. Jay Same title, because we aren't done with this one. I, yeah, I think we've done. You, is evolution ubiquitous? Oh, well, if we're done, then I've already won because you've already it, you already con you already conceded in your opening statement. You already conceded that microevolution is ubiquitous, and microevolution is just evolution. A small amount of it, whatever you define as a small amount of it, a small amount of it could be enough to 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 go all the way from a single-celled organism to humans depending on what you're comparing it to, because small is relative. Okay, so I conceded that there are 45 varieties of pumpkins. That is microevolution. I will concede. That is no, not No, that's true. not evolution. That's varieties. That's not a process. You still haven't paid attention to what the definition is. James, we're getting nowhere. Let's go to question and answer. Evolution we'll is the process into of Q change So I want to say evolution. thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. And I want to remind you that our guests are linked in the description, so you can check out those links right now. And Amy Newman, there are a couple, most of these are serious questions that I'll, I'll keep my promise because I, I promised before. We'll plug an after show no matter whose channel it's on. So first, Amy Newman says, running an after show tonight. And asks, says, Dr. Hovind, if you believe in microevolution but not macro, isn't that still a belief in some form of evolution? We have observed over centuries of human activity, 45 pumpkins producing a variety of pumpkins. That is observable. I like science, which is things we can observe, study, test, and demonstrate. I think I can demonstrate that pumpkins will always produce pumpkins, no matter how many times you try to produce something else. So yes, I don't think the word microevolution is a term we should use, but it's used already, we're stuck with it. So I think it happens, but that's as far as it goes. There is no evidence of a pumpkin ever producing a non-pumpkin or coming from a non-pumpkin. If somebody wishes to believe that, they should admit that that is their religion. The books will teach the kids, hey kids, pumpkins have a common ancestor with animals. I'll show you the chart. There we go. Plants and animals have a common ancestor. We don't know that. You can believe that if you wish, but that's a religious belief. It is not scientific. Science is what we can observe, study, test, and demonstrate. We can demonstrate pumpkins produce pumpkins. That's as far as it goes. Somebody wishes, to be, uh, somebody wishes to, you get time in a minute. Somebody wishes okay. to believe otherwise, believe whatever you want, but call it a religion and get it out of the science books. Go teach it in a private school. Pay your tuition and teach them whatever you want to teach them. 
teach them the tooth fairy if you want. Next. I resent teaching evolution as macroevolution in the public schools. It's a religion. Go ahead. Next. I hate to I'll leave Sorry. this question for Sweet. round two because I don't want to take up the time from the... Gotcha. Okay. Next up, Standing for Truth, thanks for your super chat, says, debate on my channel right after this, Matt Slick versus Snake Was Right on morality. Well, that sounds juicy. And Kakarot, thanks for your question. And don't worry, we do have we have questions for you too, Donald. So first, Kakarot right. says, I've never seen those six levels of evolution in any textbook, Kent. That's because you made up those six levels as a straw man argument. Is uh, I guess there's two things, oh. whether or not it's in the textbooks and whether or not it's a straw man. We didn't get our closing statements. Do we get those after the questions? The format that I have is eight-minute openings that we talked about before the debate, 45-minute convo, 20-minute. Oh, uh, and then the question and answer. I thought there was a closing statements thing. But, okay. Um, <laughs> we'll give you a chance to respond if you'd like, Kent. So that was... Uh, whether or not those different categories of evolution exist in textbooks, they say they've never seen them and that it's a straw man. Well, if you go back and watch my slides carefully, as I was doing my introduction, my first eight minutes, I showed right from the Internet and right from textbooks, the cosmic evolution, chemical evolution, stellar evolution, macroevolution, organic evolution. I, that's terms that they use. They so if do. they didn't see them in the textbooks, they didn't do their homework, did they? Gotcha. And next up, this one for you, Donald. This one's from Noble Eagle 100. It says, Kronos, assuming that someone doesn't exist, such as God, just because that person doesn't join your conversation is a non sequitur fallacy, bad atheist argument. And I haven't given that argument. I invited him. If he wants to show up, he can if he exists. Next. I didn't say he doesn't. Go ahead. Next up, Mike Billars, thanks for your question, said... Kent, do you accept that a mustard produced a cabbage plant? I think I think modern man has done a lot of genetic manipulation to get mustards to produce a variety of different, what we would probably still call the mustard family. It's still a plant. It's been manipulated by man. Is that evidence that cabbage is related to whales and mosquitoes in this person's mind? I think that we've farmers have been able to produce wild numbers of varieties of corn, or mustard plants, the wild mustard, uh, and, and domesticated plants, sure. That's mankind taking an already existing gene code and developing a slice of that code for their particular environment or climate or soil type or whatever. It's still a plant. They didn't create anything. You could select all the dog population down to get small dogs or big dogs, but it's still dog. And somebody is selecting this to happen. And most of the varieties of plants that have been created by man would not survive without somebody babysitting them, i.e. a farmer. Probably the cabbages we have today would never turn them all loose in the woods, go plant them. Within a year or two, they will have reverted back to something else or died off because they're genetically inferior to the original. So man has manipulated plants and animals for centuries to produce a particular variety that they want. Somebody created the Chihuahua. Why? I have no idea. It's the dumbest, most useless dog in the world. And it wouldn't survive five minutes out there in the wild. But there are Chihuahuas. Gotcha. And they're still dog. They're a small slice of a gene code that we would, everybody would call dog. Gotcha. Wolf, dog, coyote had a common ancestor. I mentioned that earlier. It's still mm -hmm. in this dog kind. I'm That's not evolution. Answer the question. We... We do have to go to the next one. We, by the way, folks, those of you who are listening, we only have time for about, well, basically all the questions we have. There's no way we can get to any new questions. So please 
Oh, if you submit a new question, we can't get to it with the limited time that we have. We're going to try to get through as many as we can that we have. Sphincter of Doom says, Kent, you're using a false dichotomy that evolution is wrong, then creationism is true. No? Excellent point. The fact that evolution is wrong and is not scientific does not automatically prove creation is true. Good point. There's only two options anybody's ever thought of. Somebody created this world. Or the world created itself. If you can think of another third option, I'd love to hear it. But all anybody's ever thought of is somebody made it or nobody made it. I can't even imagine a third option. So if you want to believe nobody made it, that's fine. Then I would have the right to ask you, if you want me to pay that to be taught to the kids, where's the evidence for that? Which is what I've been asking for. Nobody's ever seen matter come into existence out of nothing. But the Big Bang baloney that they teach in school is that a dot, a trillionth the size of a proton, contained all the matter in the universe. You couldn't squeeze a bowling ball into a dot that size, let alone the Pacific Ocean or the whole universe. It is absolutely insane to believe such a thing. So You could answer the question. Bigger point. I'm not asking everybody to teach my religion in the public schools. I think in science class we should teach science. You could learn the bones, the names of the muscles, the flexors, the extenders, the radius, the ulna, the uh, uh, scapula, without studying origins at all. Creation or evolution is unrelated. Just teach anatomy, teach biology, teach earth science. Kids, this is a rock. This is metamorphic. This is igneous. You don't have to explain where it came from because neither side is going to be happy with the other side's answer. So why, why do we have this exclusive monopoly of the religion of evolution being taught in our school system? Next if you up. wish to believe that, go teach okay. it in a private school. James? Question for Donald. This is James. I, I'm sorry, but we've got it. We've got to keep moving. Just, we've got a lot since of questions. He's, since he's avoiding answering the questions and just ran, and just preaching instead, I would like my closing statement at the end of the questions, please. It's a short like, one. It I'll wasn't agreed upon too, right? if we can. So if you guys are okay with it, I'm okay with it. Oh, but I'm fine with it. Go for it. He's fine next, with it. Next up, logical, plausible, probable says Donald. What program have you written? that can write new functional programs by itself. What language, what framework, $100 says you're wrong? Actually, I've done it in several different languages on several different computers. It's way back in the past, and I don't think I ever actually named any of them. They were tools I used. I make tools, I use tools. This is the this is the benefit of understanding what evolution is and how it works, that you can take advantage of it to do things. Next up, Elisa Oliveira, thank you for your questions that if God created all life and evolution does not exist, why then are there so many varieties of the same species? Why not make it simple with just one, you could say, category for each species? Is that question for me? Yes. Okay. Well, I think God likes variety. I like variety too. I mean, he can do what he wants. But again, I'm not asking for that to be taught at taxpayer expense. So ask, ask the Lord someday when you get to see him. Well, we'll get to see him one day. Thanks. I'll ask him here if he shows up. I have thought, appreciate your question, says, if a species experiences 12,000 types of microevolution, are they the same species? Um, I am not exactly sure who that's for. I think maybe for Donald. It depends. If, if, if they're still genetically compatible with their uh, relatives of that species, then yeah. Um, if they're not, then, uh, then no. Generally, they would consider that a, a speciation divergence. But they would still be a member of 
the clade that they shared in common with their ancestors. Gotcha. Joshua they Alex. never grew out of being their clade, as Kent seems to keep insisting that, uh, that that some imaginary version of evolution he keeps pushing on people uh, says such things, which it doesn't. Evolution doesn't say anything. It does stuff. It's a process. Gotcha. This question coming in from Joshua Alec, appreciate it, said, if the Earth is only 6,000 year years old, how is Gobekli Tempe more than 12,000 years old? Um, well, who, who dated this thing that they're talking about? How do you know it's 12,000 years old? The Bible dates clearly add up to 6,000. I think there's overwhelming evidence from all different branches of science that the Earth cannot possibly be billions of years old. It is spinning. <clears throat> I think we'd agree it is rotating once a day. And I think most scientists would agree the Earth is slowing down about a thousandth of a second every day. It has to be slowing down from tidal friction, internal friction, uh, Coriolis effect from the winds, etc. No. Well, if the Earth no, is slowing that, no. down, that means it used to be going faster. So you, you do your imagination on that. You can't go back billions of years before you got a real problem with the Earth becoming an oblate spheroid, becoming a Frisbee from gotcha. spinning so fast and the ocean currents and wind currents being horrendous and everything flying off. So it, I, I cover on my video number one of my series how scientific ways to prove the Earth cannot possibly be billions of years old. But that doesn't prove it is 6,000. Historical yeah. evidence only goes back a few thousand years, real honest historical evidence. If somebody claims something is 12,000 years old, I could claim the sink pen is 50,000 years old. Prove I'm wrong. Next up. So uh, th yeah, th yeah. They're, they're claiming that they have something that's 12,000 years old. Who made that number up, and how did they find that? I'd like to see the scientific evidence for that. Next up, Jay Mixon, thanks for your question, said, Kent, how would you account for similarities between molecules that reflect shared evolutionary ancestry, genetic material, genetic code, process of gene expression, such as transcription and translation, and same build in amino acids? Wow, long, complicated question. I think it boils down to, how would I explain why elephants are orange? They're not orange. There's no evolutionary relationship between anything. Are you going to answer any questions? I've answered every one of them. If you, you haven't answered any, you preach every time. You haven't answered a single question. Answer that one if you can. I, did, I just did. In one word. I answered it in one word. Evolution. James, That's the answer. Evolution. Go ahead. Answer it. That, that answers all question. of it. I know. Next yeah. up, For Isaiah. You, everything is evolution. Isaiah 40. Oh, I have to. This one, I'll, I'll keep the promise even though it's not related. Isaiah 40.22 says the round earth and space itself is scientifically impossible flat earth 101.com <laughs> so, um, this one guy thanks for your super chat said god coded us to talk for I'll, him I'll like you created your program to program programs what, what was that i think it's for you donald they said god coded oh, that's for donald, right. us to oh, oh. talk for him like you created your program to program programs Possibly, but I don't see the evidence for it. Gotcha. And Jesse Schodel, thanks for your question, said, Kent, you, can you demonstrate that anyone has ever observed the God described in the Bible? It is my religious belief. I don't have to demonstrate that. Again, I'm not asking for it to be paid by taxpayers, so I can believe whatever I choose. I think there's evidence that somebody had to create this. There's probably evidence that somebody had to make this ink pen. I don't know who, I don't know where, I don't know when, and actually I don't care. But I think it's obvious to a two-year-old somebody made it. 
I think when you see something way more complex than an ink pen, like a genetic code, you'd have to say, wow, who wrote this code? The question before was to Don, did you program the code to make the program that makes the programs? The answer is obviously yes. Didn't happen by itself, I don't think. Did the keys press themselves on your computer? So I think that the uh, I cannot prove the existence of God yet. I will one day when we all get to see him. But for now, I have to choose that. I, I take it by faith. I admit mine is a faith. They will not admit that evolution is a religion. Will you, Don? It's not. Next. Next you still haven't paid attention to what it is. Evolution is the process of change adding up. That's not a religion. There are no beliefs in it. Add up. Yep. We will go there are no beliefs involved. It is a process. Sorry, the closing statements. So what I'll do is give you guys five minutes each, and we'll start with Kent, given that Kent started in the first place. So that Kent, works. the floor is all yours. All right. You're going to shut off his mic during this time? I'll be quiet. Okay. You're good. Okay. I believe the evidence is overwhelming that blueberries produce blueberries. There are four different types of blueberries now that man has cultivated and developed, and they probably had a common ancestor called a blueberry. God's word says 20 times in the first seven chapters that the plants and animals will always bring forth after their kind. That is the evidence for that is everywhere. There is evidence that people will die one day. That is found everywhere. The evidence for death is ubiquitous, okay? Everybody's going to die. I think you can go to any cemetery and say, wow, what happened to our video here? There we go. Somebody's going to, they're going to die. I think there's evidence that Don will die one day. The evidence is ubiquitous. You will find your name on it. We will find your name on a tombstone someday. And I think it's ubiquitous. It's every, everywhere. I think you should get prepared for that day. See, Don, this is uh, Pascal's wager. If you are right, I haven't lost anything. There's no God to answer to. And I've lived a wonderful life. Have a wonderful time. I enjoy life. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you're in real serious trouble one day. So I hate to see that happen, but uh, it's up to you. Go ahead. Next up, we'll switch it over to Donald for his closing. We do have one sec. I want to keep a promise to Samuel Lillaholm, who asked a question early, and I did promise I'd get this in, said, what would you consider uh, for Don? What would you consider the clearest example of a parts-with-purpose system coming from a purely natural origin, directly observed, or clearest, quote-unquote, proof of concept? Um, a water molecule forming. We, we give it a purpose. We, we drink water. We do lots of stuff with water. Um, yeah, hydrogen and oxygen. Just light the hydrogen on fire. It burns the, with the oxygen. You get water. Uh, simple. Thank you very much. We'll kick it over to Donald for his five-minute closing, and the floor is all yours, Donald. All right. Um, yeah, by the way, um, Kent, about that idea of either there's this or that, that's another false dichotomy. There are thousands of different gods people still believe in. Um, you could be wrong about all of them. Uh, okay, I know Kent likes to show pieces of his debates to his followers and, uh, you know, give them links. Um, so not give them links to the original. So I'd appreciate it if any of Ken's followers would share with each other the direct link to the full un unedited debate on this channel so that people can make their own informed decisions about whether or not any version of, of it he might present to them properly represents the actual debate. Uh, even though each of us have planned some part of this debate before the debate started, the debate as it actually happened was not designed or planned or planned out in full. Kind of like that, you know, when I write a program that writes programs, I didn't plan what program it's going to write. It's on its own there. 
the conversation could change direction at any time in ways that nobody involved could entirely anticipate. And some such changes were bound to add up. In other words, evolution was bound to happen. Also, the content of the debate changed every time anything was added to it. And of course, that change is also cumulative. So the debate, regardless of the path it took, has demonstrated evolution in action. The debate itself evolved. The number of likes uh, clicked has evolved and continues to evolve. The number of subscriptions to this channel also continues to evolve. Evolution has been all around us the entire time. Kent himself admitted that microevolution is ubiquitous and it's all around us. What do you get when you have more microevolution? You have macroevolution. And he said that there's a limit to that, but he has not demonstrated where such a limit is. He can't even say where such a limit is. All he says is something doesn't evolve out of being what it is. And that's exactly what the modern synthesis theory of evolution says. If you want to, if you want to get something, something other than what you've got, you've got to mate it with something else. Uh, it's, it's called cladogenesis. You, you come up with a new clade, its parent clade is still one of its clades. So <clears throat> evolution has been around us all in the entire time, regardless of how many people recognize it and how many do not evolution is ubiquitous. I've made my point. The evidence has shown itself. I've pointed out enough of the evidence to make it clear to anyone who has been paying attention. I rest my case. Gotcha. With that, want to say thanks everybody for tuning in. Both of our guests are linked in the description and we are excited for the future folks as we have many more debates coming up. And so don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and that little notification bell so it's ringing so you get those notifications for when we're live as we have a lot of epic shows coming up. So with that, want to say thanks. Thanks, James. Thanks, Kent. Absolutely. Thanks so much and to our thanks guests. thanks everybody who's watching. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for coming to hang out with us today. I will be back with a post-credit scene about mm -hmm. upcoming debates, which is going to be fun, folks. And so I've got a big one to tell you about this Saturday that's in the works. So stay tuned for that. And with that, thanks one more time. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. And thanks to our guests. Or are we going to have a... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.